He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. Welcome to my weekend podcast, where we got an exciting podcast for you. I'm going to take a look at a few races over the weekend, um, and we've got some horses that we're going to highlight uh, for you on this podcast, something a little different, uh, but we're going to get that in a couple of minutes. Let me bring in Ron Flatter from Las Vegas. What's up, stud? Viva, baby, and if you say Flatter, you got to say stud. You know, my son, West Coast, he's the, the, my, yep. the apple of my eye. Yeah, you're an upstart. No relation, by the way. No relation. <laughs> Many have asked. Few have been excited to find out the answer. You would have been a chestnut, though. You would not have been a dark bay like most flatters <laughs> yeah. are. But like flatter, I was in my prime, in my younger years, very brittle, prone to breaking down, but certainly made up for it in my stallion time. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Speaking of studs. Yes, sir. Um. My boy, Joe. Yes, your dog. Is he there? Oh, yeah. He, when I started to get on the phone with you to start the show, yeah, he raced downstairs. So I thought, okay, great. He's going to go take a nap. Comes running up here in a huff with his bone in his mouth. Yeah. And you can probably hear him yeah. right below me. He has to make all the clattering noise. So my boy is enjoying his bone right below me here. All so, right. Well, i got a question for you. I yeah. have a question for you. Now, we've had Joe make appearances on previous episodes of this podcast, and there have been yeah. times where you you have a guest who's maybe offering some serious dialogue, and Joe's kind of like, you know, <laughs> all over the floor, you know, with, the, with the foots and the wood and the floor and the deal. And I'm thinking, like, well, you know, that that probably could have been a little quieter. But now that he's here, you know, this could be comedy gold for us. But I've got one other uh, thought. But that's just you. You know, and me. I get more people. I get more people always asking about Joe. Yeah, I'm well, always like, you know, the chopped liver part. Well, that's the thing because dogs. We all love dogs. We as people, we tend to hate each other, but we love dogs. I think that's that's what makes the world go around now. You know, dogs. We don't deserve dogs. They're better than us. But that's another story. Uh, you know, I, I swear I don't deserve him. Uh, but he I so do. much fun to be around. There you go. You know, See, Joe? He, we gotta, we, yeah. Maybe I'll put Joe when I do the open to the show, when I introduce you. Maybe I should introduce Joe instead. Or yeah, I think we should. I well, think you do. And right you know, from, from uh, Frankfurt, Kentucky, you know, Bruno and Joe. Bruno and Joe. Although we say yeah, Lexington at the Open. It's sort of like on, on Johnny Carson's old show. They used to say from Hollywood when they were in Burbank, that kind of a thing. So Yeah. Anyway, I, know, I do so, have a question for you. I actually have a legitimate yeah. question for you. When you do your Zoom classes, does Joe mm-hmm. make appearances on the Zoom classes? Do we get to see Joe when you're doing your Zoom classes? Um, he got a cameo the other day when somebody asked about him. He was laying outside on the balcony. And he got a cameo. But usually when I do him at night, he just retires. He has his own room oh. uh, upstairs. And uh, he has his own bed that he jumps up on. And I go in there and check on him, and he's laying like a human on the bed sleeping. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he's got his own room, his own bathroom. I mean, he's got everything. I mean, his dog is like, is like, is like a kid. Pretty soon he's going to ask me to go to college. Well, if you, you can, if you can get him potty trained, you've really got the whole thing licked. Uh, how are the Zoom classes going, by the way? They're doing great. Um, I've had, um, I think we've done two or three. We had kind of like a big class the other day where I got more and more. Uh, I got more people involved. I think I had as much as twenty-five people. Wow. Okay. Uh, in the uh, uh, and, and it worked out super, and it was fun. Um, I had some of my, you know, some of the guys on. I had Jerry Travato, the guy that handles my stuff at Belmont. Uh, the week before, I had Brian Lazarica, and the week before that, I had Mike uh, Mike Mikas from Saratoga that has been working with me since 2014. So, you know, it, it works out really well. We have fun, and it, and and just to give a little uh, back when I started in the in the middle 90s. Um, we didn't have internet. We didn't have 
uh, you know, we had radio. That's the only way we mm-hmm. could do it. And I started my business. And um, what I would do is I would on the weekends I would schedule in live seminars at all the off track facilities. I'd go to Del Mar during the off you know off track. I'd go to India, Lancaster, Los Alamitos, Santa Barbara. Uh, I would do all of them. You know, I'd do some at Hollywood Park. You know, when Santa Anita was running, and they were just gold because um, it was you. You got to meet people face to face, and I thought it was it's wonderful. I, I I've got clients that are still with me from 1997. Is that right? Yes. The beauty about it is just being able to interact, you know, and, and get to see them face to face. We don't, you know, in this new normal, we don't get to, uh, we don't get to do what we used to do, which is, you know, we can meet people, they're coming in for the races, and, you know, you could go and meet them, you know, at Keelan, or you could go and meet them for a drink, and you just don't have that ability. And, I mean, we could do it, but, you know, you just never know. You know, you don't want to ever do something where it's going to create any kind of hardship or anything wrong with somebody else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's all about respect for other people. You may not have anything, at least you don't think so, but, you know, you just never know. And um, Well, the other side to that, Bruno, is that while you don't have that personal contact, now you have the reach. And so if somebody was unable to get to you in Santa Barbara or in Southern California, somebody who wants to pick your brain or at least share information with you from Topeka, Kansas, or wherever it may be, can do so now from the comfort of their home, regardless of the pandemic. So oh, absolutely. You, you, I think you take one step backward, and it's a significant one because we were so familiar with the one-on-one contact. But now you take two or three steps forward, and you develop that. And maybe it's something that could exceed what we had before. Hard to imagine that, but you don't know. It's one of the great unknowns of the future, and it could be one of the blessings. Uh, I, I agree. I think we just have to rethink it. And I've had a great experience with people online helping joining us for Zoom. We've always gotten more people wanting to come on than we were uh, ready for. I'm getting to the point where I can get 30, 40 people at one time. Um, Do you have to cut it off? Be, Will you have to cut it at a certain number? Will it be too many? Or are you you okay with having? I think a hundred would probably be too much. Okay. You know, I'm hoping to get. You know, it looks like we're going to have a really good record for the for the for the Oaks and uh, for the Oaks and Derby <laughs> Zoom um, yeah. webinar. Is that the next uh, one, or when do you, when when do you have one coming up again? Oh, my next one will probably be Sunday night, so people can RSVP for the Sunday at be the Julio at AOL and RSVP for Sunday around 7.30. And what I'll do is um, I'll also put out a, a newsletter and I'll put it on Twitter that we're taking RSVPs for Sunday. And on Sunday, what I, I, we had a really great discussion the other day. And I actually have a link uh, to the entire, uh, to the entire uh, Zoom because we actually record it and have it on a cloud. Mm-hmm. So I can have if so if somebody doesn't uh, see it, they can uh, we can send them a link and they can take a, and watch it at, at at their own leisure. And that's what we're going to do with Oaks and Derby too, where not only if some people can't make it or they got other commitments and you know they're on the uh, Oaks and Derby package that we have, we just send them a link with the actual Zoom and they have everything there. So um, actually, they'll they'll be able to link and use a password to be able to get in and 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 watch the zoom so that's going to be really really exciting um and speaking of the oaks and derby by the way uh is it too soon to ask you about what you're going to do in terms of just how you're going to be spending your time i mean look we just found out as we were recording this that fans aren't going to be allowed at churchill downs so i don't know are you impacted by that and how is it going to impact what you're going to deliver in terms of what you might have to revise? Um, well, I stay in touch every day with with members of uh, Churchill Downs um, management, and I have access in the morning. Um, uh, I mean, I, yesterday they, they tested everybody on the backside for COVID. 
and um, they're changing a couple of protocols. And um, for me, it doesn't change much. Um, for me, I'm, I'm I'm not going to Derby itself. Um, I'll be going every day from now until then, um, as far as clocking. But I'm out of there by ten ten thirty. Uh, depends when Dale Romans is done. Hmm. Um, you know, because he is always the other day he worked a couple of horses right at ten o'clock. Um, yeah, I guess the day. You know, anyway, I'm not even going to comment there. Uh, but um, but our day, a, a kind of a day in the life for me is um, we get up at three forty-five, uh, which draws the ire of the puppy because he's like, <laughs> "What are you doing waking me up so early?" Um, he's usually the one waking me up, you know, at four forty-five, five o'clock. I beat him to the punch and get ready, get all our stuff. I have to be out the door at four twenty. I set him up with his breakfast. He gets to stay in the garage and play all morning. And I head up I-64. It's about an hour's drive to get there by 520. I have to be there at 520 because the gate's open for the horses to come on the track around 522 to 525. And uh, they go to work right away. I will get probably sometimes between 30 to 50 works within 30 minutes by the times the bells from the church ring at 6 a.m which is really kind of really really there's a romance i have with Mm -hmm. those bells and you're you you know it's six o'clock when you hear those bells ring yeah yeah um it's really kind of cool you know and so by six o'clock rain or shine I've got a full page already of works, and they just rock and roll there right from the time the gate that the, it opens up. They have lights so you can see. Um, and uh, then we have a break at 7, and we have the derby and works break at 7.30 where only workers and derby horses can go. And the gates, um, and then you have the starting gate open up. And you, like, for example, on Monday I had 47 gates that we had. And less, and probably I had forty of those between seven thirty and eight thirty. Wow. Um, so, and a couple, a few of those were in two sets and three sets, and it was like I have to get this horse. Uh, you know, I've got gate coming out. Here they are. You know, they're at the you know a sixteenth of a mile in, and you got to take the markings. You got to take. The riders, you got to take the saddle cloths, you got to take what they look like, and then you got to follow them around. And maybe halfway through that work, you'll hear the latch of the gate spring open again, and you look over and you have to split them off. Um, so you can catch that one too on a timer. And by splitting them off, meaning that I would look at my watch and say, okay, that's a 16 and 2 split. And then I have to hit them at every pole, just like the first team that I still have, and then do the subtraction to see what time I had. Hmm. It's almost become like it's second nature. It's very simple to do. It sounds confusing, but it's very simple to do. How many horses and, can you do at once, though? That's the thing. I mean, can you can you catch them all by yourself? Well, I'm all by myself at Churchill, you know, and when I work on other tracks, I am too. I have had as many as four horses, four different sets, uh, and it could be eight horses. It could be six horses. could have four or five different sets at one time. And the biggest issue is making sure that I have the entire um, thing recorded correctly. Yeah. You know, so in other words, you know, when you're going down, I'm writing them down. I have to make sure that I, I'm, I'm writing the right distance where I got them from. I, pick, I write down from where I get them from. The time, I underline it to tell me that's a split. And then the next set, I underline it, tells me that's a split. And then I got to make sure that I look and say, okay, I've got a Dallas Stewart. Then comes here's the Stanley Hoffs. The third set is the Bob Bafferts. The fourth set is an Asmussen. And if I say it out loud, I remember it. And then I can just put it down in my book. And then as they go through, I can actually name all the markings, put those down, and then watch them gallop out, get the gallop out times back over to the front. You know, and, and the funny story is one time I was clocking with a, with a, with a new a guy I was training, and it was it was at um, it was at Churchill, and I'm looking at a watching a horse galloping out, and I, the timing of being able knowing the timing, I had picked up that other horse at the half, and I turned right at, as the horse was approaching the quarter, 
And the guy looked at me and goes, how do you do that? How do you know the turn right when that horse is by the quarter? I thought you were going to miss that. And, I, you know, it just becomes a second nature mm. that I'm watching the gallop out and it tells me, look behind you at the quarter. I pick up the quarter in time to turn around and pick up the other horse galloping after the three quarters. I look back down, pick up the horse at the eighth, at the eighth pole. I see a horse going out the half. I hit that. I come back. I hit the other one that's finishing up right at the wire. So now I got all those times. I write them down. I got the gallop out horse. If I need to check markings, I know and I got I got probably eight to 12 seconds to look on my binoculars, making sure the marks on the horse that was galloping out. Then I turn back and I got that horse at the quarter. Come back around and you get the horse galloping out on the turn that you just had to the wire. And if you got them at the, at the gallop out at the seven eights, you check your markings, make sure you got the right team. You come back, you got that horse at the eight ball. It's understanding that you have eight to 12 eight to ten seconds between doing those things that you can get that information um so it may seem confusing but in my mind i can handle chaos i guess and it is chaos where a lot of people cannot handle chaos people can do only one thing at a time and what 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 i do now as joe is right below me as you can hear i love it um, Joe. No, he is just, he is just, he's going to town on that thing. Joe, just remember, but, you're beneath us. Uh, <laughs> Even though you're better um, than us, you're beneath us. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of lost me. You lost, you lost me there. That's what I do. Um, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> when you go through all of that, it may sound like, wow. You know, like some people can go, no, that can't be true. But if you've ever been clocking with me, you, you've seen it. Could you? you could, know, I talk where, to, could I talk to you while you're clocking? Or are you going to be like, shut up and talk to me after 10 o'clock? No, I can hold the conversation when I'm can doing it. Can you that. really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can handle chaos. I, 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 I truly can. I've wanted to you be know. around you when you're doing this, but I always felt like, well, I can never say anything, and you can't, you can't shut me up for two seconds. No, not at all. No, I, I can handle, you know, I mean, I, I don't think I'd be able to handle if somebody said you need to look at me while I'm talking to you, you know, right. Um, you know, which, you know, but I can I can be able to do all those things at once. I may even put you to work, which I've had with some people mm -hmm. that, that say, OK, I need you to look at the half. And, and you know, what's interesting when you're clocking and you meet people and they would say, teach me how to do it. And I'm kind of looking at them like, yeah, OK, yeah. <laughs> I can teach you how to do, okay, pick up the half mile. Well, how do I know where the half is? <laughs> yeah. I said it's a, it's 11 o'clock. Right. I mean, the red and white flag. Right, it's over there. Yeah, yeah. that's the mm -hmm. half. Yeah. Look to your Well, how, to how do left. I know when they're going to go? And I love that because a lot of people cannot cannot differentiate between a galloper and a gallop, and, and a worker. They can't. Seriously. And Even I can I, do that. It, it, it's, it's second nature. I can. I mean, sometimes I can get fooled when I think, you know, that guy's galloping. But then it's all about the rider stance, the way they hold themselves mm -hmm. on a horse. Yeah. And you can tell when they're going to go to work, and you can tell when they're going to gallop. So um, the gate works are, are, are the toughest ones, especially at Churchill, because they start with right into the sun. I mean, right with the sun in my eyes. Mm -hmm. So that's a day in the life. That's really what... what what we do all day long and anybody of you that have been out there with me you understand that you know it and that's uh, that's how that's how that's how you get it done nobody you know the, the, there's it would not be any fun for me if i had to sit there and have to listen and i have to go who was that and what did you get you know i don't sit with the clockers i do not want to sit with the clockers i do not want to hear any other opinions I just want to do my stuff, and only I can be able to through, work through my own chaos and get as many horses as I can. What's the old uh -huh. line that, uh, was it Red Barber who told Vin Scully, don't listen to what others have to say because it will water your wine. Exactly. My wine ain't going to get watered. It ain't going to get watered. I'll tell you what. But um, so I, it, what, what's happening at Churchill with the no fans, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. It isn't going to affect me. I'll still be there. I'm up in the um, in the jockey suites, right up uh, on the balcony area, where I have full full view of the, of the track, uh, the best view of the track, 
And I really enjoy that. Churchill's a lot of fun to clock at. And um, uh, sometimes Saul and Amos drive me crazy with those blue pads, but it is what it is. Is it, so I, is it easier without fans, potentially? Well, I, I you know, I've been through every derby pretty much since about 2010. Uh, I went through about four derbies. You know, I, I've been in the morning probably 15 out of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the day at the Downs was always fun, but I stayed away from everybody. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I'm a little different. I don't have to have human interaction every single moment of my life. I've got, an, you know, I, I got enough to do, and I love the horses, and I love Joe, and I love my boy, and we do a lot of stuff together, and um, right now, I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I don't need folks. Don't need folks. Uh, so the We other- need you. We need you, though. Well, and, and I've I mentioned it on my podcast, and I've had this conversation with a couple people. I have Flavian Pratt on the podcast this week, and we were talking about... Uh, you know, he's riding higher power again in the Pacific Classic and trying to defend there, but he won't be defending at the Kentucky Derby. And we were talking about the thought process, and his thought process in not going to the Derby was not much different from mine. I mean, look, I'm not staying at home to win a bunch of races like he is that are going to be worth a lot of money. I'm staying at home for different reasons because, look, you know, you got a couple my wife and I are a couple in our 60s and for me to go to Kentucky and risk bringing something back wasn't worth it but and that was the end of the day for him and as he was speaking his daughter a year and a half old was was cooing away not far from him and it was a delightful sound and he was actually like he was apologizing for her noise and I was like no 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 and then I was thinking of you and I said you don't have any cats or dogs there that could make any noise do you and, but it ultimately was making that decision that family came first. In his case, it was not only the health of his family, but the financial well-being. And in my case, it was the health. And it was a tough decision on both our parts to make. But we arrived at the same conclusion. And now, with 23,000 fewer people on top of the 150,000 fewer people, it's going to be a very eerie scene. But everything's an eerie scene now. I mean, we come to that conclusion now. But how is that different from back in March when a magic wand was waved and nobody could show up for anything. So, you know, we've, I think we're way past the, it's sad, it's eerie, it's strange. It's, we've had five months of strange. It's now just trying to figure out how much longer will it last. And if we're going to have to live with this, the rest of a generation or the rest of our lives, well, figure it out. That's what we're supposed to be as an adaptable species. So anyway, off my soapbox now. Hey, it, it, you know, I hate to say it is what it is. This was a hand we're dealt with. Yeah, that's exactly. You're right, though. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and and she said, "God, you know, I can't go out. I can't go meet people. I can't go there." I said, "You know, this is what you're dealt with. Yeah, I mean, you got to deal with it. Maybe it's going to, you know, teach some people to not be so dependent on others, and it's going to teach mm-hmm. them to be." much more um, comfortable in their own skin. And once you have that comfortability of being in your own skin, that wearing that old pair of jeans, so to speak, and not have to worry about uh, pleasing other people or getting other people's uh, attention, you know, maybe you can turn that attention onto yourself and you can make yourself a better person. You know who I feel bad for most in all this is young people. And by young people, I mean, say, teenagers to 30s. This is the time you do explore and you do interact, whether it's socially, sexually, whatever it may be. And now this is curtailed. And these are your prime years, and you wonder, you're thinking to yourself, man, am I going to get any of this back? Am I going to be able to get any of this at all at the end of the day? And I feel badly in that case. I mean, I've got a... Can I I respond to that? No, please. Buckle up, Buttercup. We're all in the same boat. But we're a little older. We can figure it out. Uh, Buckle up. (laughs) Because you know what? We're one, you know, here in the United States, we're we the people. 
It isn't me. It isn't you. It's we. And what you do as an individual and how you carry on yourself outside your home in this day and age can definitely affect somebody else. Yeah. Well, that's true. No, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And anybody who's se- and by the way, the young who are selfish about this, well, I don't feel sorry for them. Uh, that's a, and, and that's a whole other matter. Let's take that over to the racing part. Mm-hmm. People say, "Oh, I cannot believe I can't. I'm not at Saratoga doing, going to the races." Oh, yeah. And you know, I'm like, you know, get off your soapbox, drama queens. You know, it just stop. Figure out another way how to support the game and how to enjoy the mm-hmm. game. I got a big screen. I've got all the tracks that I can put on. I can watch all the tracks. You're definitely not spending more money. <laughs> True. True. You know? So, I mean, anyway. Um, uh, I, hey, by the way, while we're kind of thinking of the young and the future and all of those things, before you know it, we're going to have Kentucky Derby 147. And hopefully we'll have fans, and who knows? At this point, all bets are off. But, of course, if you're talking about that derby, you're talking about two-year-olds. And I had a conversation earlier with Johnny Avello, who used to write all the futures at the win before he went over to DraftKings Sportsbook, and he was keeping his eye on two-year-olds all the time because, of course, they were the derby horses of next year. And uh, aren't you – I mean, you're always immersing yourself – with two-year-olds. So does racing with Bruno have something up its sleeve in terms of two-year-olds as we move forward? There's quite a few two-year-olds at at Churchill. As I mentioned, there was 48 gates Mm -hmm. on Monday. And those, out of those, maybe 45 were two-year-olds. I've seen some young starts, some young horses from the Asmussen barn that look like they can really run um but they're only up to five eighths i need to see more but you bring up a two-year-old and there's one in the eighth race at ellis tomorrow okay and maybe you can help me with uh, the pronunciation all right let me i'll i'll call it up so you go ahead and vamp while i'm calling up the race it's number one actul golly Okay, I'll, I'll get and there. Actul Gali is the w- number one horse in the eighth race at Ellis. There's supposed to be some showers. Um, sometimes when you're watching horses in the morning, you don't have the you you you're not privy to say, oh yeah, that's so and so, and he's by so and so, and he's by so and so. Right? Is that out of so and so? Sometimes you don't know. You know, you're watching, you're seeing a chestnut, you get the marks down. And you, you know, you know the horse can run. As you can hear, Joe behind me, he's just going to town on this thing. Good man. Um, um, but um, but Brendan Walsh trains. It's a chestnut, uh, and uh, he's by Protonico. Do you remember him? I don't. By the way, it's, it's Todd Fletcher. Uh, Actu- Todd Fletcher Giants Causeway. Actugali, by the way, is uh, how you say Actugali. that. Actugali. Actugali, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Corey Lannery rides, and his last three works are really good. The August 10th work mm-hmm. at Churchill was much better than what that time suggests. He went out 5 eighths and 101 and out in 14 and change. Um, this horse can run, and, and I think at a mile is perfect. He's one to follow. Um in here, um, you've got a Dallas Stewart in there, two to one. Buset Utaki. Um, uh, you got Bold Minister from uh, from the first crop of Firing Line mm-hmm. uh, in there, um, and um, Wesley has got a horse he's stretching out for the first time, which is an exaggerator named Invisible War that we had some works out of Keeneland. Um, I, I like this all too. I, I called it Golly. Um, Octogali. Octogali. I like to find out what that means. But, well, we uh, have ways of finding these things out. I learned one the other day, but that's, uh, you know, sometimes you can find them. Right. So I thought that race was really interesting with the two-year-olds. Um, now, in the uh, in the tenth race, you have older maidens. And what's interesting with the older maidens is that you pretty much have an idea what they are. The eight horse 
in the tenth race I have been chasing, named Spiteful Charge. I think this horse has got talent, and it just seems like Sims has not been able to find the right field or the right track or the, the distance. He stretches this one out to a mile again, but this will be the first time around two turns by will take charge out of a spites down mare. Um, and will take charge has been a really a thoroughly disappointing stallion. I thought two horse, two stallions were going to be very, very, very good. One of them was palace at spendthrift and the other one was will take charge and neither of them have come through. Hmm. So, yeah, it, that's the one thing that bothers me. The, the will take charge part. I, I, I've been around enough to look at some of the stallions uh, that I can call counterfeits. The purges, right. the purge was the, pur- the, the 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 stallion purge was absolute counterfeit. Um, there was a unbridled song. Um, there was an unbridled song stallion. That I can't remember the name now. It was a gray. Unbelievably. And the morning did work great. And they couldn't. In the afternoon, their mind just would snap on them. Corinthian was another one. Rock Hard 10. They were all counterfeit on the track. All the Rock Hard 10s. Uh, souvenir copies in the in the old day. Um, so there's a certain reason, certain things that happen. You know, and and you realize when you watch a trout a, 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 a horse from by a particular stallion train, and you go, oh no, a rock hard ten. <laughs> you know, so now you get the touch gold was another one, completely counterfeits in the afternoon, and um, you just got to the point to where you just wondered how, you know, yeah, how, what you were seeing that it relate to. To what you were going to see in the afternoon, and that's one of the biggest issues we have when you're following along on when you're when you're watching horses in the morning that you think you th- you know and, and and so many people say oh you know you thought that horse was going to be good well if you were there in the morning too and you watched them train you thought the same thing and, and I think people can be unrealistic with such a uh, uh, being in an artistic type of scenario where your 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 own I, opinion on what you're seeing is an art, and um, and people don't understand that you don't have all the information in front of you when you make when when you're looking at a horse train. You have no idea how much heart he has. You have no idea how much he's got really between the brains. And I, and if you keep watching closely, you'll figure it out. Um. Everything is subjective. It's not objective. There's no if that happens and this happens, this then then this is going to happen. No, you, you, there's so many things that happen that that I've seen and and that I have to use that as an experience. So if there's people out there that take shots at clockers all the time right. or take shots at people that, are, that that are using a subjective, they're watching something and making an opinion of it. You know, shame on them because they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it, and they wouldn't be able to do it if they came out. And they couldn't even pick up a horse at a pole breaking off. I had one guy who keeps knocking clockers all the time. He couldn't pick up a horse leaving the half mile pole if, if you know, if his life depended on it. Yet he wants to knock everybody. Hmm. So it's not that easy. And if it was that easy, then everybody would be doing it. And everybody does not do it. There's just a handful of people who do what we do. So when you're looking at it and people want to tell you how much they know, it all really depends on, on, on what the subject is. And most of the time you'll find out that they absolutely know nothing. They're just spouting off at the mouth. And, and all they're doing is knocking somebody that's actually doing a lot of work. Now, where there has been some critical commentary here in recent days actually was heard first on this podcast on July 27th when you and Pat Cummings discussed, among other issues, the timing of races. And so you had to be nodding your head as if to say, well, did you hear our podcast when the Thoroughbred Daily News report came out 
about the inaccuracies of GMAX at Del Mar and the fact that they've been timing races on the turf, most of the meet, by hand. So as we talk about the critical commentary of clockers, what about the critical commentary of clocks? I've been saying that for years. Mm-hmm. But you know one thing in this industry that really is, it's, is maddening? It's you can say it, I can say it, we can say it for two, three years. You know, Craig Mikowski can be saying it at, at U.S. Time Forum, and then all of a sudden some paper comes out with something that they feel is like a revolutionary new uh, news here. Oh, hey, those times are wrong. Well, no shit. <laughs> you know, really, seriously. We've been saying it for how long? And... And now you say it and it's legitimized. This game doesn't want to listen to people, uh, that, especially, you know, like the racing form or, or you know, the TDN, I have no problem. They do a good job. But it just seems that with some people, unless the DRF or something, something like that says it, then all of a sudden it's true. When, in fact, they don't tell you a damn thing. They don't do a damn thing. They obviously never report on anything like that. Um, I used to get calls from Andy from Andy Byer all the time. Did you get a time on that <laughs> race at Gulfstream? You know, and yet, but when the the whole thing was a was going to be, you know, editorialized and 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 put out there for public consumption, it would be, oh well, these horses went. That, they would. They don't. Most of the time, people don't even credit the person they're getting it from. Um, and that's been happening to me, and I've been happening in racing since I can't. I, I'd have to go back to the 1980s. One of my favorite stories. John Hernandez and I used to run a, uh, a radio show um, back in the late 80s, early 90s, and we talked ad nausea about run-up, how each track at a each distance at a different run right and and we talked about it every it seems like every day on the show we had a nightly um show um out of orange county and about two years later here comes a guy down the press box that talks to everybody right he's mr press box and he starts talking about run-ups and they're all like oh wow i didn't know that oh my god yeah that makes a lot of sense if we would have brought it up, there wouldn't have been two people that would have even listened. But because he brought it up, everybody's like, oh, yeah, run up. The, the uh, horses on wrong leads. Same thing. They do the same thing. You get guys talking about lead changes like they know, and they, can, they can't. They don't understand the entire reason why horses don't change leads or do change leads. But the horse didn't change leads. He would have won. No, he wouldn't have. And and I learned from horsemen. I learned 1987, Sonny Blossom beat Olympic prospect and on the line, I think, in, the, um, in a graded sprint stakes. I want to say it was the, um, God, it's the race at Santa Anita. Um, in December, but anyway, he set the, the track record. The what? The Mal- no, no, no. It was a six furlong race. Oh, the shorter. Okay. Uh oh. Yeah, and he won. And Sunny Blossom was trained by Eddie Gregson, and he had come from Arizona or something like New Mexico, and he won. Ran in one hundred seven and four. That record stood a long time, but Sunny Blossom never used to change leads. And one day, I'm walking with Eddie Gregson. And I asked him about it. Eddie Gregson is an old-time horseman, the late Eddie Gregson. And he said, Bruno, we just let him do what he does. If he's comfortable being on that left lead and not switching, I'm not going to let him do it. <laughs> I tell the riders, just leave him alone and let him be comfortable. And if you know he's not going to get, you know, if he's not going to get beat, don't don't worry about jerking his head to change his leads. And Sonny Blossom was a really it was by Sonny Klein and um, he ended up running uh, a couple of more times 
and the fourth time he ran back, he switched leads to the right. <laughs> yeah. He never raced again. Is that right? So, yeah. So a lot of the times it's a comfortability of the horse. And a lot of the and sometimes when a horse is flipping leads the left to right, the left to right, they're not comfortable with their footing. There's some horses that are left lead horses and some horses are right lead horses. Dixie Union, the, the Dixie Union, the horse, was a predominantly right lead horse, meaning that when he turned for home, he had a powerful step with that right lead. He would change leads and he would just accelerate. But on the turn, he was awful. Hmm. On the turn, he, go, he went nowhere. The rider was riding him. He just didn't have. It's like you. It, it, most horses can be can be switch hitters. They can be left and right. Some horses are strictly left, and some horses are right-handed hitters only. If you can want to make a comparison with baseball, so when you're a right-handed hitter and and, and racing, <laughs> right on my foot, right on time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he loves to do that. Um, but when you're right-handed, um, you don't handle the turns well because you don't accelerate on that left lead. So what happens is it looks like the horses don't go anywhere on the turn. But on their right lead turning for home, when they turn for home and switch to the right off the left, mm -hmm. it's like whoosh. Right. So... A lot of the times when you're watching that, you're trying to, you know, you see it and you start picking it up. You're going, wait a minute. You know, some, as I said, you know, you can't just go out there and start clocking or looking at a video and think, you know, because I've seen everything. I have seen horses. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another horse with the, with the lead change that actually meant something. Rahi, mm -hmm. the little Rahi for Neil Dreisler. Right. Um, he come from Europe. Drysdale took him up and won by four lanes on the one and at a, at a mile race at, at at Bay Meadows. Brought him back down for Oak Tree, put him in a stakes race, and Rahi beat a greatest stakes winner, and he was powerful through his right lead. The next time out, it was the next. I think it might have been the San Antonio or something. I don't remember the actual race, but. He was in that against that same horse. And midway down the stretch, Rahi flipped back to his left lead. He did a hop and a skip and back to the left lead. I remember I was doing the show with John. And on the show that night, I said I was worried that horse took a really bad, you know, bad lead, lead switch late. Mm -hmm. Something happened. Sure enough, he tore suspensories. He was gone. He was retired. Mm. So it's not about not changing leads. It's about doing something out of the norm. If they are usually, usually a very okay, let's say let's say we've got a right-handed horse that it, like Dixie Union was. He was a Mandela. He won first time out, beating Collar One, and Collar One ended up going to Dubai later on and won the Dubai Sprint, uh, the the Golden Shahid. Mm -hmm. But he was a fast Jimmy Chapman horse. Dixie Union was a um, a Mandela, and um, if you have a horse like that, that you know it's a right-handed, right-lead horse, and all of a sudden in one of his races, he flips leads back to the left down the stretch, something's going on. He's getting off of something. It's like your car all of a sudden starting pulling to the left. Mm -hmm. Usually because your right tires are either worn down or they're getting something's going on on that right side of your, of, of, uh, of your car. Right. So, you know, you get a lot of people, they want to tell you how much they know about lead switches, but they do not understand why. Why does that happen? And you see that a lot at Churchill. You'll see horses switching leads early down the stretch of Churchill because the turn comes right up. So they're anticipating going into that turn and they're switching over to the left. And people say, oh, you switch leads at that work. Or you switch leads late in the stretch in a race. Well, that's because the turn comes up early. So 
There's so many things that people are told that are really already out, been three, four, five years, they've been out, and, this, and, and there's other people that have already been talking about it at nausea. But until certain people say something, that's when everybody starts to listen. Right. But that's, you know, there was an old saying when I worked at a little radio station in Northern California that we would report something, we would report it again, we would have followed up on it, and then all of a sudden the Sacramento Bee would have the story as if it were brand new news. And we used to say, well, right, I guess right, it isn't news right. until it's in the Sacramento Bee. But that's... I got this to say. Foobar. What? Foobar. Well, let's see now. I can guess what the F is. No, it's <laughs> bullcrap in German. Oh, okay. Anyway, so we've got a lot of stuff going. And by the way, um, we've got a couple other things we're going to cover before we go. Uh, we talked about um, we talked about what we do a day in the life, and we talked about what we got going. We gave a couple of horses at Ellis uh, on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on the Saratoga stuff. Um, but I do have a maiden that's going to be a big price on the turf that, uh, we talked on the zoom class. It's in the fifth race. So at Saratoga, Saratoga stuff. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fifth race, I've got a maiden that might be a price. There's a uh, Chad Brown in there. That's going to get bet down, but I like this horse. I like what I've seen. So, um, definitely excited about that particular race tomorrow. Okay. Hey, I got some, uh, I got some two year old action coming up in the next, uh, couple of months well that was what i was well that was what i was wondering about do you got something going with uh with mr cassie and uh, what what do you you got going on well um our two-year-olds are getting to the track um it's been a little bit of a kind of uh pulling teeth because of covid and the restrictions and we had to take our time getting them ready and i i instructed rudy little judas over at the farm to take his time uh, we didn't need to be out of the tracks immediately, and and I've got a Temple City out of uh, uh, Temple City, Philly, two-year-old. That's a half to Leah's dream, who's earned three hundred thousand. That's heading over to Norm Cassie. She's a nice filly. I've got a Sky Mesa Colt that I bred. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is um, um, he's out of a street cry mare, and um, he's I've got some shares in him that are available, affordable. Uh, they're going to go to Jason Barkley, a great guy. Um, he was on our podcast the other week. Uh, I've got shares available that people can uh, give me a call, and uh, uh, we can. We're going to be running here in Kentucky, so um, and um, got a lot of high expectations for him. I got a filly that last winter as a two-year-old. Um, it's my tune that um, is going to be running. Uh, is going to Norm in the next two three weeks. She was training like she's a really serious horse by Mizzen Mast. Uh, she's out of the catchy tune uh, mare, um, Umbrattle Song mare that was out of a very strong uh, Toffin and McCaffrey, uh, Paco Gonzalez family that included some really, really good horses. Um, so uh, we loved her with Norm, and um, she got crashed into by a worker, which created a huge hematoma on her leg that we had to give her time just to get that hematoma out. Hmm. Um but um, she ended up winning the drill. She won by drill by 10. She dusted that other horse. Mm. But she came back, you know, a little bit um, uh, banged up from that. So she's coming back. Um, I've got a, a couple of shares in her left. So she's a talent. I, I Ron, I think we're going to have some fun with her. She's a talented, talented filly. And the time that we gave her really helped. She's by Mizzen Mass, which is the Cozine line. And the Cozine line does improve. You had to see what I'm seeing right now. Um, Joe has decided to pull the covers all off the couch while I'm doing this. Um, it's so he, he's and when I get on these podcasts, he takes just he becomes this this little brat, you know. And he's 75 pounds worth of brat now. So, so you got covers on the couch. Yeah, that intrigues me already. I think I think Joe's got the right idea. I'm on his side. Why well, do you have covers wait, wait, on the couch? Yeah, I got, I got a 75-pound baby Yeah, that likes to take all his food, you know, and take it up there to eat it. I see. Okay. I yeah. thought I and, thought you were kicking yourself out of your own bed or something like that. No, I mean, I you know, but anyway, um, 
but uh, the Mizzen Mass Philly is really nice. Mm-hmm. She's really nice. Um, when I when I had a chance, I bought her privately. Yeah, she had bucked a shin going into one of the sales, and I went in and I went out and looked for and found her. And I talked to the owners and looked at her, and I loved her. She's absolutely gorgeous, um, and she's got a great way of going. She's got a great mental mental aptitude to her. When she was working for Norm in November, uh, I mean, they, the first time I got to see her before she actually had her first work, she came out, and I'm I know her because she's got I, I just know her. She walks around like she's a six year old pony, right? Okay, and she's got that ear flopping. She knew I've had a few horses that, that turn out to be really good. That the first two times you bring them to the track, they act like they've been there before. And she stood there, and then they galloped, and she's right behind. She decided, you know what? I don't need to go with you guys. You guys go on ahead. I'm right behind you. And she's just ears flopping right behind them, galloping. And she did a very sensible. Pulled up right behind him, that little ear cocked up like a little cocky, you know? Yeah. And walking around like, I got this down. This is my realm. And I love to see that because it makes it really easy. And that's when um, that's when uh, Norm started telling me, I, I like this horse. I like mm. this horse. This horse is a really cool horse. Does everything right. And she, at you know, she was always inside or outside of another horse, just going so easy, and just you, you could tell as soon as you, if you would move your hand, that horse, he, she would have been gone. But she wasn't ready to do that. And that one day, I'll, I'll never forget. It was 25 degrees out. I'm watching her work. 5:30 in the morning, the horse just sideswipes her at the half mile pole, mm. right? And she drops back, and the other horse blows the turn, and here she is on the inside, and all of a sudden she hits the jets. She blew past on the inside, and then she's waiting on that horse. Got to her, and she kicked again. And I went, "Wow, this horse a runner! Hmm. Wow, you know." And when you see that, and you, and then she came back. She had the hematoma on on her pastern from where she had gotten. It didn't break the skin, but it, it's almost right. like it was somebody took a back to her. It's like a it's know? like a, a tire that gets like a, a bubble in it, you know, or what do you call it? The little right. That kind so of we had to wait and 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 really, really just you know, we just waited on her, and then the whole pandemic thing hit. We had to wait some more, and and it's just done nothing but good for her. She's bigger, stronger. She's about seventeen hands. She's a big girl, Oof. but extremely athletic. So. Uh, I'm very excited, and, and if, if we got some people out there that want to get into a really nice filly, I've got this Sky Mesa that's uh, that's a homebred that um, I'll tell you about. But I'm very excited. I got three at the track. I, I'm going to have four at the track, and um, I'm very excited about it. And I just got an always dreaming baby. Huh? I got an always dreaming baby born in March that I got the chance to to, to finally go see, and he's gorgeous. He looks like always dreaming, mm. you know. So um, I, a lot of good things are going to happen in, so, in 2021 and 2020. So if anybody hey, 2020 wants – is going to be better. If anybody wants to get in on any of these horses, how do they get a hold of you? Just just write me at bdejulio at aol.com or at bruno at racingwithbruno.com. You can get a hold of me on Twitter. Um, just Most people know how to get a hold of me. Go to racingwithbruno.com and you can hit contact Bruno and send me an email. I was thinking they could point the Bruno image up into the sky like a Batman signal, and then they find you that way. Okay, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, what do you think? He's too busy with this blanket. He's too busy with this cover. He has got it all nice. You got it all nice and neat, and, 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 and he's got it in his mouth, and he's like laying at my feet like, look what I did, Pa. You know? You must be proud. Oh yeah, proud of my boy. If you see this, if you see this, it, it's it's hilarious. He's right underneath me, shaking it out. You know, now he's dragging it, trying to drag it downstairs. You know, so that that's my life. You know what you should. That- you know what we should do in all seriousness because Joe is becoming something of a personality here. You should get a GoPro camera and put it like on his collar or something like that. And while you're doing your podcast, oh, you activate the recording and you that see. Thing, you no, know, but wait a minute. You can't put anything on him like that. He'll chew it up and you'll you'll get it in 90 million pieces. A GoPro? Well, those things are, I mean, those things have 
They're durable. Anyway. They're really durable. Yeah. He's like, I'm already a star. But, um, yeah, so they can get a hold of me at uh, racingwithbruno.com or you can go to Bruno at racingwithbruno.com and, and I'll send you all the information. And uh, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, we don't charge any up, uh, 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 fees as far as managing. As You know, we keep you, you know, in, in the loop. Um, you're, you're a partner just like us. And, and we enjoy having, you know, I screen everybody. I, I make sure that I talk to everybody that's interested. And then it's you know, really my decision at the end because, you know, we all have to deal with the partners that we you know, bring on. And, um, but I'm very excited about all of them. Uh, we're do, uh, we're do some luck. So, um, I'm excited. It's a, this is the best crop I've had in, in a number of years. Excellent. And then I had that Miss Locust Point. You know, that was a great, uh, greatest stakes winner. Um, we turned a $17,000 horse into a $1.7 million, you know, uh, you know, horse uh, when you take Burner, into yeah. the sales and the broodmare uh, sale and everything. So uh, I'm always up to doing that. Um, bought our horse, the uh, General Mathis, we bought him for 12000 and uh, we ended up not only winning uh, at Gulfstream Park, but we ended up selling him for, for a decent amount. Uh, he's now with, with, uh, with uh, Kristen Mulhall in mm-hmm. California. So, um, you know, little things like that. I mean, that's what we like to do. We like to have turnover, and we like to have good horses, and I've got a few that I think we're going to have some fun this year. Excellent. Now, my one other question I have for you that we can move toward the wrap-up here would be the move toward the wrap-up of your day. As we talked about the day in the life of Bruno, when do you sleep? Oh, Joe and I get up, uh, we go upstairs and relax and watch some TV. He, you know, he likes to run around and we play a little bit and then I'm in bed by 9 o'clock, 9.15. Oh, that's, and, that's later than I thought you might have said. Okay. Yeah, 3.45 is up time. And Do you take a nap? No, no time. Wow. You're a better man than I, which, not that I'm setting a well, high bar. But, but the whole thing, see, the whole thing, so is, uh, when I get back, I get back, like, for example, work as I leave out at 10, depending on Dale. Um, and I get here probably about 11, about an hour later here at home. It takes me an hour to drive. And then I pick up the, the boy and I take him to the park where he gets to run around for 30, 45 minutes. So, you know, he gets that hour because he's been cooped up for six hours, not doing anything. And, you know, so he, he gets his hour in to play and uh, then we come back and we get to work you're already like nine hours into your day by the time that happens well you know i'll tell you one thing i enjoy every minute of it Good i enjoy you. every minute of it especially right now watching him fight this blanket like is the next greatest thing he's found <laughs> conquer you the know. blanket but um uh, but i hope um any any final um parting shots or anything no no just looking forward to getting a little closer to the derby even though every day it seems like there's always a little more drama but really it's like you said it's what we've got it's the hand we're dealt now and frankly every year there's a little bit of drama associated with the derby otherwise it wouldn't be the derby so it's just it's just setting it up and dealing with it in on labor day weekend instead of may and we've known that for a while now so we'll get to it and, and what the biggest thing about it is, is we go this year right from the Derby. Then we're going to go right into having uh, the Churchill Downs meet, which is kind of the starting the preps for the, the Breeders' Cup. Right. Then we go right into Keeneland, uh, Kentucky Downs, then Keeneland uh, after Churchill. And then we go right in, you know, Churchill starts again. And then we have the weekend at Keeneland. And then you have the whole championship meet at Churchill for the fall. And this year... Um, Turfway Park is uh, taken over by Churchill. Right. Uh, they're going to have a new tapita, which I think um, I think it's going to really help the the, the entire uh, uh, the entire uh, Churchill down. Uh, excuse me, uh, Kentucky Racing right. with a better track at at, at, at at Turfway. And from what I hear, rumors they may not race for three months in New York. Interesting. Okay. All right. I think I just saw an aqueduct schedule go up, but I don't even remember what was on it. I didn't have time to look well, at it. Well, they 
It's all about how much money they're going to have after December and how they're going to pay for their purses. I see. Okay. So they can only if they can only do overnights, then they can. They may just. We'll see. S- we'll stop. See. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I'll tell you what. This year, Turfway is going to be interesting. Yeah, it'd be kind of nice to see something percolate there during the winter. Oh, absolutely. But um, let's. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed this long um, podcast, and um, I hope we give a lot of information. And I think it was actually really fun to actually be able to discuss some of the things and and having you on board. And I really enjoy my relationship with you on this on this podcast and professional. I've always uh, I've always been a big fan of Ron Flatter, and um, and I I really appreciate you being part of it. Thank you, and I hope I live up to the stallion's name, even as we speak. Uh, he can only go a mile. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd be happy to do that some days. Thank you, Bruno. All right, well, everybody have a great day. Have a great weekend. Sunday night Zoom class. Talk to me about the shares and, and uh, three decent horses that we got coming up. I really like that filly, by the way. And um, let's go from there. Everybody, Ron, enjoy your weekend. You too. Have a great one. Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.